you know, I think the, I think you have to have support of the organization beyond just the coach, right? And I think that's the organizations have to realize that first, right? That that's the goal of the organizations to do that. And if that's the, that's the kind of the culture of that organization, then that's you know the coach is going to have to to kind of meld, you know, to join with that. Because um, if you don't have the support of the organization and the board of the directors of that organization and you know the directors of the of the club, then I don't think you're gonna. It's going to be a lot tougher. I think you have to. Again, it's systemic, and have to attack it from that kind of complete. I think you have to attack it from that complete picture to show, hey, it's in the best interest of this organization to do these things, and then that'll, you know, that'll create an atmosphere where you, where the coaches, you know, will have to either, you know, fall in line or they won't, you know, they won't they won't last there. So I think yeah, I think it's just important to, to show how important that diversity is and how much better that makes everybody. Right? It's not not making anybody less it's just bringing everybody up hey listeners denise here and in this episode patricia and i take the back seat and let special guests interview the two-time olympic rower david banks from their perspective we hear who your next board members could be and how important it is to have role models that look like you in the sport so get ready to listen learn and enjoy all right, welcome to the Rowing and Color podcast. We have a great interview for you today. We have David Banks here, along with our guest interviewers, Daphne Marchenko from episode four, as well as Time Year Green Ellis from episode six. And we have a great list of questions. Um, everyone's calling in from all over the country. And I'm going to stop talking and let the folks talk. So let's start off with our first question. David, how are you doing? It's a it's Good, a crazy Daphne. time that we're in right now. So where where are you in the world and how are you coping? I it is crazy. It's a tough time. I know everywhere in the world. Um, I am in uh, Oakland, California. Uh, I guess I moved here. I don't know, 2017, so a little over three years ago. Almost you know, doing on that. Sorry, two and a half years ago. Um, but yeah, I've been been doing well. Um, I. Uh, I work with a uh, construction company, and uh, we have actually been, um, I think, many places in the country, uh, construction projects have still been going on, so have been deemed uh, essential, so we have been still open, so I've been kind of uh, still going to work, I guess, I'm not, not too much change for me in that sense, but other than that, just sort of laying low, uh, laying low at home uh, when not working, so. Um, doing okay. Uh, everyone else is good. Family, everybody's good. Just everyone's just trying to stay safe and um, and um, you know, kind of keep getting through everything. So fortunate in that respect. That's good. Uh, can you tell us a little bit of your background? Just like more so, like just an introdu- uh, introduction of yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I guess where to where I begin? I grew up. Uh, I guess sort of similar, Daphne. Kind of in the in the. For the most part, I grew up in the D.C. area in Maryland, went to sort of middle school, high school there um, in Montgomery County, Maryland, Potomac, Maryland. And uh, yeah, that's where I kind of grew up. Uh, I uh, didn't know anything about rowing, but it was always a, a an active person. I love just playing sports and basketball was my first love and uh, just, you know, played it all the time. Grew up, you know, watching Michael Jordan, you know, that Michael Jordan special back out. So it's a lot of those memories when I was a kid, you know, uh, growing up, pretending I was going to be Michael Jordan on the Bulls or whoever. So that's, that was, that's what I was. I was just kind of an active kid. Didn't know anything about rowing or the water. And 
didn't really, you know, that, that, was, that was it. And then um, we, I went to high school in Maryland. I started, uh, played basketball there. I actually got cut. Still had dreams of like Michael Jordan. Got cut my freshman year. And I came back later. But then I also started running track. And then I kind of did those two things. It's always real competitive. And um, got I graduated uh, high school, got into Stanford. And then decided, you know, it's pretty – it's far ways away, uh, so sort of a, a big change. But uh, actually, my brother was actually out there at the time, and then um, so it's a good place to go to kind of be, you know, near my brother and um, sort of a new adventure. Um, when I left, I had no, uh, you know, I didn't uh, foresee myself rowing at all. I didn't even know what it was. I think I remember listening to Daphne's uh, a piece here, and uh, she mentioned seeing boats out there on the Potomac River, and uh, I can I kind of remember it now once I found out what was wrong. I said, oh, that's what those boats I used to see out there in the water were all the time, but didn't know anything about it. I just kind of started a little bit on a whim when I, uh, my first week I was at school, and uh, I kind of got into rowing, and then I uh, stuck with it, graduated school, um, had an opportunity to go train with the U.S. national team, and so that was in uh, Princeton, New Jersey, so moved from California to New Jersey and started rowing there on the national team, and um, took a couple of years to kind of kind of make it and then um yeah kind of did that for the next few years uh, and then I, I uh kind of a quick story and after that I uh I, I needed something new and started working and eventually and then I got married and moved out to California and kind of here I am today so uh that's a kind of quick run through I don't want to bore everybody but that's sort of the short story there I feel like that was the most humble introduction to yourself you kind of just you know took 10 seconds to mention the fact yeah, that you went to yeah. the olympics <laughs> but i wanted to to take a step back to kind of the first time that you started rowing what was the experience like getting in a boat i know you were at stanford and you you hadn't done yeah. any water-based Whoa. sports before what was that like no it was um it was actually kind of uh no i yeah it was good i mean i actually i started at stanford was yeah, when I got there, you know, I was thinking of walking on the track team. I had some uh, friends who were joining the track team. You know, I was decent. You know, I thought I could get a lot better, so I was thinking of doing that. And then my RA, he was actually uh, an RA. My RA was a manager in the basketball team. So I was thinking he was about to – he could maybe hook me up with a spot there. I still had those kind of hoop dreams, you know. And so I thought, uh, you know, I thought, hey, you never know what could happen. So those two, those two things are kind of going on in the background. And then that first week, there were these flyers up, I noticed, you know, in the bathroom or wherever about this crew team, and I, I didn't know anything about it. And then we had a recruit uh, down the hall for me. He uh, he was actually from the D.C. area, too. We were both in the same freshman dorm. And he was like, said, yeah, you should come to this meeting, uh, you know, tonight, on this rowing walk-on meeting. I was like, okay, you know, I don't know. He said, come on, you should go. You're tall, this or that. So I said, okay. He said, there'll be dinner there. I was like, okay. I'll go, you know, there should be some food there. What's the worst that could happen? So I went to that meeting that night and uh, they had this little presentation and it was pretty cool. Uh, the coaches were there and they said, yeah, come tomorrow to this place where we would row, our campus rowing place. It's called the Ford Center, you know, Daphne. Uh, so that's just to come to the Ford Center at 3 p.m. And that was it. So we went there and um, they, uh, the coach, Craig Ermacanian is the head coach. John Alden is the freshman coach both very passionate people they had these ergs lined up in this like indoor space right it's kind of a 
Uh, there's an indoor gym in this like glass wall and behind that there's sort of this big kind of entry walkway that's where the rowing machines were you kind of could look into this uh gym and see people playing you know whatever volleyball basketball anyway they had these all lined up all the varsity guys out there on the ergs um and they you know they had lined up they did a i think they did a, like a 30 second piece maybe or 250 or something like that right which we all in the rowing world you know it's pretty short so they just you know he said go and then, like, the whole room just kind of came alive, you know. Everybody, the ergs start kind of jumping. There's people grunting. They turn the music on. The coaches are yelling. And you could just, like, feel this uh, energy and passion and just like this, you know, it was, it was crazy. So I, that was my first uh, introduction to rowing. I said, I don't know what, kind of what this is or what it's about, but they said it's going to get me stronger, focus on your legs. So I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'm in. Let's, let's see what happens. And so that's kind of how that piece of it started. Uh, at Stanford, the uh, – the water is about 20 minutes away in Redwood City, which is it's just kind of right on the San Francisco Bay. So it's kind of a little bit of a distance there. So there's so many kind of, they're looking for a lot of walk-ons at the time. And so um, we actually didn't go to the water, I don't think, for the next couple of days. You're all in these ergs, just learning the sport a little bit, how to row. Um, and then I think it was maybe that following week or maybe that Friday or something, either way, we went to, uh, went to the water and I got put in, uh, in a pair uh, with this guy Eric and uh he was sort of he was a recruit too so he knew what he was doing I you know I had no idea what I was doing and I, I'm not I'm not the most comfortable in water you know definitely wasn't at that time so it was a kind of a pretty uh shaky experience you know he was he was he, he knew he thought for sure we we're gonna you know flip or go in the water I didn't even know what that meant but you know I did my best and uh it was pretty cool you know once I kind of got a little bit more comfortable and then you know, I remember, I don't know, must have been maybe a week later, we we're out there, you know, in the fall, kind of gets dark early. And you're in the middle of the San Francisco Bay, you're looking around, there's like the grid, the lights, and, you know, it's something where two weeks before that, you know, I never would imagine myself in that position, that spot. And uh, that's a pretty cool kind of, uh, uh, just kind of awareness a little bit and kind of this new new adventure I was on. So that's kind of how I, how I got into it, how I sort of started. So just kind of like going on, how did you like handle that stressful that stressful process of like going from like a novice, at, um, like within the sport to like Olympics, like Olympic level actually? Yeah, well, as far as mentally, it was a long, a long way. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess mentally, you know, when I was a novice, I just I was just trying to kind of soak up everything, you know. Um, I was fortunate to have some really good coaches, like I said, Craig and John, and they were just really passionate people and, and they taught me the sport taught, taught the sport that was just about passion and energy you know and and those things so that's kind of what I, I learned and I loved about it um and they you know there wasn't too much pressure uh, uh in a sense on me I was just trying to learn and just trying to get better and trying to try not to get cut really so yeah. I was just trying to keep keep going and um I think I was also fortunate enough though that they had there's a couple guys there at that time that had sort of olympic or national team aspiration and i didn't i didn't know anything about rowing in the olympics you know i loved watching the olympics growing up uh you know track and field guys like you know michael johnson and you know maurice green or whatever and and when watching those kind of athletes um so i had no idea that rowing in the olympics was a thing but at that point there was a guy who's actually kind of uh, so it was what 2000 and that was 2001 fall of 2001 there's a guy there who's kind of on that track, his name was Jamie Schroeder, and he um, he uh, he eventually made the team in uh, 2004 and then 2008. But uh, so he was kind of already there. So 
I was also introduced to, that there was this other level, right? It wasn't just growing here at Stanford. There was another level beyond it. Um, so, yeah, when I was there in the novice, it was uh, just kind of new, trying to soak it up and just trying not to, like I said, get cut. In a way, I guess I kind of like transferred that over when I got to the national scene, right? Because you go from, you know, being kind of at the top in one area and then I was immediately kind of at the bottom in the other. And so it was kind of that same mentality of kind of what do I kind of what do I have to lose? Right. I, I know I'm going to get better, try to stick it out and, uh, you know, focus on just trying to keep getting better and not get cut. I always, you know, when I was first training, I just kind of told myself as long as I had a foot in the door and, and was still there, I still had a shot, still had a chance, you know. Um, so that, that's I was kind of I don't know if that, <laughs> that's growing out of fear or whatever it is, but that's kind of the mentality that I took when I first joined the national team to try to always, you know, try to positive as I could and just kind of keep keep moving forward as long as I was moving forward and I had confidence that you know I could stay there and I could get get somewhere so so David you've probably heard in some of the upper other episodes a bunch of us myself included have kind of referenced you as someone that they looked up to as they were going through their rowing careers especially if they had national team or um, you know high high level rowing aspirations who was your support network when you were in training for the Olympics, I know Ty just talked about how asked you about how stressful of an experience that could be. But who did you look to yeah. outside to kind of help you get through that process? Uh, that's a good question. I uh, I guess when I first got first got to the team uh, or first got to the training center in Princeton, I mean I show up. Uh, I was like so I graduated Stanford two thousand five. Uh, my first summer in Princeton, kind of around the you know national team stuff, was was that summer 2005. I got there a little late actually because our Stanford team went to Henley, um, and I was just kind of thrown into the mix and kind of learned about it. I guess I knew I was going back to school to grad school, so it was kind of a off and on sort of introduction to, to I guess the national team. I guess my so my that next summer, that following one, 2006, so it's like two summers before the Olympics was my first real kind of. Um, extended stay there I guess you could say in Princeton kind of really having to live day in day out on training and rowing um so it was a I think you know I think first and foremost when I first got there was um you know my family definitely really helped um trying to you know just stay in touch and contact with them um you know when you're training you don't have a lot of uh you know days off in a sense where you could kind of go uh you know visit family and do those things right um you, you're training you know almost six days a week, sometimes seven, but, you know, a lot of times six days a week. So it's not a lot of time to, to just, you know, visit family to see them and do that kind of thing. Um, but they were always sort of an, an inspiration. You know, I, uh, I, um, I was always, you know, I was always aware, definitely, you know, as a person of color where, um, you know, where my, the history of my family was. Um, and I knew that for various reasons, you know, for whatever, all the reasons, you know, I, people in my family didn't have the opportunity, even the opportunity to do what I was doing, right? Um, whether it was racial, gender, you know, religious reasons, right? And um, so I was kind of always aware of that and I kind of tried to use that. It's always a strength and my family's a strength and, you know, remembering just grateful for that opportunity. So any time connecting with them would always help me, remind me that, keep me grounded, I think. Um, and that was kind of like the early stages of, 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 of my training. Um, as I, I progressed, I... Uh, summer of 2007 so it's a year before the olympics and um I, you know i didn't have any i didn't i got so i showed up in 2005 i got cut i came back 2006 
I got cut the first day I was there, you know, I dropped the boat, the boat breaks. I almost got cut, but I just got allowed to stay. I, I pulled a good, uh, a decent erg or whatever. So I stayed, but I still got cut from the team. So 2007, I hadn't made, you know, a national team yet. So this is like, you know, a year before the Olympics, how could you make the Olympics without making a, 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 a national team or competing internationally? Uh, so there's a Pan Am Games, which is held every year before the Olympics. Um, and that year, where was it? Uh, 2007, Rio. Yeah, it was in Rio in 2007. So talking to the coach, this was a really good opportunity for me, you know, make the Pan Am team the international experience before the Olympics. So I was all set. I was slowly getting better, sort of, you know, and I had this opportunity. Uh, basically, uh, we had a pairs race. And I think they're, you know, all I had to do was finish top two, right? And it was consistently there. Me and this other guy, we were consistently there in the top two. And uh, so I, was, you know, knew it would beat everybody. And then, you know, we get to the race and ended up third. You know, a couple guys beat us. And it was just sort of, sort of devastated, right? The year before the Olympics, I'm, you know, I'm not having made the Pan Am team, which means I'm probably not, if I can't make that, how can I make the national team? So, you know, I was kind of, in a bad spot with, with respect to rowing and, and the coach, Mike Tatey, he was like, Hey, you should row with my brother, Paul, my brother, Paul. And he kept saying that for a little while. And eventually uh, I think it was right around um, July 4th. He said, yeah, try, my the guy who I was rowing with actually kind of got hurt. So I didn't have any boat to row. He said, row with my brother, Paul for a few weeks. It'd be good. You figure it out. And so right at the weekend, after, the week after July 4th, we come back, I, Paul and I started rowing and it, and it, and it just clicked. Um, Paul was, uh, he's Mike's younger brother by a few years. And he had rode in 2000, 2004 Olympics. Um, and at that point in time, 2007, he was retired. He had already been working. And we just started clicking really well in the pair and started going really well and ended up going to the, uh, the trials that summer and finished a close, very close second. And, uh, it gave him a lot, a lot of confidence that he still, you know, he, he, he still had it, which he of course did. And so that kind of spurred him to, to continue training and he became a, a big kind of sort of mentor to me um, um, family, you know, to this day, he and his family. Um, and so as another, uh, definitely a, a good resource I found early on in my career as a sort of this mentor that I could, I could lean on and he helped kind of show me a lot of the ropes in a sense and show me, you know, what it meant to be in a, in a professional in a sense, you know, in a way how to think about it mentally, not always in the physical, physical way, just how to prepare yourself mentally and to kind of look at things in the, big picture so I was very fortunate to kind of have that kind of older mentor um, you know person there to help help guide me through I was just wondering did you ever feel like you didn't belong in a sport because of the sport of being predominantly um, white and just you going from like um, to up to the Olympic level uh, you don't really see that many people of color in that level how did that affect you if like if so uh, yeah, no, it's definitely always been sort of a factor. I guess I was, I was lucky too. So, you know, I didn't know anything about rowing. And so I go to this walk-on meeting that first that first night, right? We had this meeting and there's actually at that time, there were three other guys on the Stanford team, uh, people who black guys on the team at that time. And uh, in a way, it, I don't know, it kind of, yeah, in a way, kind of like validated the sport when I saw that, you know, there's these black guys on the team. I, I didn't know anything about it. It's like, you know, I didn't know it seemed like a, a, a real team or a real sport or something. And uh, so I, I, was, I was fortunate to have, uh, you know, at that point in time when I was just first starting, first learning some other guys on the team uh, who were, you know, people of color as well. Um, so I, in a way, I didn't um, 
feel completely alone, you know, when I first okay. started and I was sort of my introduction, you know, but like, I think everyone has said, you go to the first race, right. And you look around and you're like, well, there's nobody out here. And, um, and it, it you know, and it's kind of, it definitely hit me then, you know, uh, um, I guess not that I felt, um, had a place, but I've definitely felt, um, I don't know. It was weird. It started to develop this sort of sense of, uh, I definitely wanted to change that, you know? And, um, I kind of knew in the back of my mind, the better that I could be, the better to be a better, and it'd be a better place, a position, I guess, to help out or, or to change that, you know, and then try to try to push the sport. And so I kind of always had something always on the chip of my shoulder, I guess, just being um, a rower in general, you kind of, you know, in the, at the university, right, at that, you know, compared to the other sports, you're always on the lower, lower rung of the ladder or whatever. But so I always had a chip on my shoulder for that, trying to, kind of prove myself in that sense but then also as, as a person of color for sure trying to um um you know i knew i wanted to perform and knew i and i'm like maybe i put too much pressure on myself but wanted to um you know i guess to be the best right to, to perform and to prove myself in, in that sense and prove that you know people of color could could succeed and could perform um so and, and i guess the, the funny thing the other thing i learned though you know and i think the good thing about something about the sport was that um maybe the one of the reasons also that I kind of really kind of drove me is you know it was it was all you know the, the sport is tough one to um it's, it's fair in the sense that right there's no there's no rules right you get on the earth you know, like there's no rules there's no referee there's nobody you know your score is what your score is right and even when you get in the boat right the it's all about the stopwatch right however fast you're going right there aren't too many rules or the refs weren't fair to us or this like if you you get on the erg and you pull a score it's like you know no one could take that kind of from you in a ways right and it's there's a sort of a kind of a fairness in that right and um you know i think that's something that really definitely drove me i knew sport that just i, I stuck to where you just kind of work hard i saw myself improving and i knew if i stayed in that like no one could kind of take that from me in a way you know so i use it i guess that as sort of as motivation as well or, um, or the better I could be, you know, no one could take that from me and I could make an impact. I know we've been focusing a lot on what it was like to train for the Olympics and to be at such a high level, but I think a lot of what you've done is more than just, you know, the successes that you've had and being honest about the failures that you've gone through. It's also about what you've done since the Olympics. So tell us a little bit about what your relationship to rowing looks like today or has looked like since you retired. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, yeah, definitely a transition, you know, um, I, uh, it was a tough one. I, I was rowing for a while and I, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like a clean, a clean break from the sport, I guess you could say, right. I, uh, you know, you, you finished, um, you know, 2008, we finished, we had a really fast boat it was in a four. We finished, uh, ninth place. Right. But we were, you know, within a second of getting medals, right? It was that close. And then in 2012, I came back, I was focused, I was all in. And we, you know, you do all that and we finish fourth by, um, you know, uh, tenths of a second. And so, you know, it was, got so close, right? And uh, in a sense, you know, you're, you're in it and you're, you're involved in it so much and you kind of look at it kind of as a failure in a sense, in a way. And that's how, it, you know, it was probably not the, the best perspective, but that's how, you know, I was looking at it. Um, so you kind of felt, incomplete in a way you know where I was in a sport um and I think going back to what we said a little bit you know Tyler talked about or that that question um you know after 2008 
you know, I, I you know, I got to see the world, other people rowing. Um that's pretty crazy. Uh we were in um my first international race was right before the Olympics in Lucerne, Switzerland. And we were there and I was like, you know, I was looking around for so long in the in the US, right? You only see you don't see anybody of color, but I looked around at people from other countries, you know, and there are these these Cuban guys, these Cuban four, they were there and I kind of became friends with them a little bit after the race, right? We started talking to just other people, you know, black people, people of color. And it was a pretty cool experience when you see that in the great, you know, stage of the world. Um, and from then on, every now and every race I see them, you know, we say hello, or whatever, we, we talk. But when I got back, I was really, I was really motivated and had an opportunity to do some work um, in Trenton, New Jersey, right? It's right near Princeton. And uh, so I went down, I would go down there. We're trying to do some things with the Princeton National uh, Rowing Association, which runs the boathouse in uh, Mercer Lake in Princeton. And uh, trying to, trying to just get in, you know, you know, make this grow the sport, right? Do some of the things everybody's been trying to do. Um, so just had a really good, you know, opportunity to, to do that work with like with the boys and girls club, YMCA, we go down there a lot. And, you know, I got, you know, really wanted to, to help out, right. And sort of kind of give back and try to, you know, show people, you know, some, you know, given the access and the opportunities that I had, you know, especially with this sport and what it could do. And, but at some point that kind of conflicted a little bit with the training. I just had to start, had the training ramped up and I just didn't have the chance to go down there, you know, three days a week in the afternoon to do things, started training. So in my mind, I'm like, well, at this point in time, this is what I want to do. And I know the best thing I can do for my sport and to help, you know, people is to be the best that I can in a way. And so that's where kind of my focus, you know, my focus went. And in the ways I was like, well, that's the only way, you know, I felt like in a way that's the only way I could help, you know, to, to be the, you know, the next, you know, the LeBron of the sport or Serena Williams, right. Be that person and have that impact. But so that's kind of my, that was sort of my thinking. I think it was probably maybe misplaced in a way, but um, I just wanted to, to be the best at the sport and do what I can. So after 2012, that's kind of like, that's where I was sort of mentally. And it was just a hard break transitioning. Um, I still wanted, you know, I, you know, I had those aspirations to, to, to be where I wanted to be um, athletically. And, you know, I kind of wasn't there. And just, and then mentally I needed to break and I needed something different so I started working and doing some other things and you know I think it was a slow shift kind of transitioning um just wanted to do other things I think and I realized that um it wasn't just about about the athletic piece of it right um and it took a little while I think for me to to understand that and um and there were other ways to be impactful right and to be to make a difference and just just on the water, just doing athletically. And so that's when I, um, you know, try to see what other ways could I, could I get involved? Can I make an impact and maybe even a greater impact to try to, um, trying to do other things, you know, what I can do. And it kind of led me a little bit today and doing a lot of work on great, good, grateful to meet Arche a few years ago. I can't even remember now when it was, we met a few years ago and, and some of the work that he's been doing. Uh, I mean, everybody knows him. He's such an impactful person, impactful speaker and he he kind of brings everybody along with you know with some with the ideas and you know all of the all the good things that he's trying to do so doing some work with him then got involved with some good good people all over now we're in Stockton and um in Philadelphia and you know met both of everybody here on this call you know basically through through our shade so um I've realized there's other ways to 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 make a difference there are other ways you know because the you know the chains are trying to make their their um you know, they're systemic in a way, right? And um, they need, you know, you need a whole team of people to help attack them and really 
get to the to the to the root of a lot of the problems we have and so that's kind of like that's kind of where my focus is now right it's transition from you know it's all about athletics and that's the only way to no there are other ways to do this there are other ways to actually go about it to try to create lasting change i love that you said that this this is kind of like systemic um there's a lot of young rowers who also believe that um so Mm -hmm. what is the number one tip you would give them to kind of like give them that motivation or like the extra boost to perform well within the sport yeah no definitely you know it's definitely systemic right so just about accessing the opportunity right that's that's the only reason why you don't you know you don't see more people of color involved um and you know hopefully it's changing but i i think i've heard a lot of a lot of the interviews and i think the theme is there you know it's a lot about just just knowing you're not alone that's a big thing you know just knowing that there are other people out there right i mean that's how i started right i, I knew it. i was the only one there's the other guys on the team and people i could kind of relate to right there but um but i think it's helpful and then when i internationally right i knew there are other people you know around the world i kind of got that other sense so i think that's an important part is to know that there are kind of other people um other people out out there um and i think just being involved and and having that sort of network and and um and i think kind of trusting the sport a little bit i mean that's a great thing about it kind of like i said was for myself is what I learned um, is that, um, you know, if you really put, you know, you put work in and you can, you can, you can really, you know, you can really improve and just that, you know, I think there, there are people, all, there are people always watching, right? So um, in, the, in a good sense, right? It's a small community, right? people, people hear, the people talk. So if you perform and you do get better, people are, are there and they're, they're listening and they're, and they're watching and they'll see your efforts. Um, and I think, and again, it's a, and it's a sport where you can, the beauty of it, you can, no matter how, whatever your level is, right. There's always something in it that, that where you can improve and, and you can, you can see the, the benefits from it and how it, you know, changes who you are as a person. Right. And so I think you can always, at the end of the day, you can, you can always go back and, and know, Hey, I was here. Look where I am now. Look where I was, you know, months ago, or look where I was last year. Look how far I've improved. And just use the inner power and strength of it to help, you know, empower you, empower you, whatever level you are at, whatever your aspirations are. Um, you know, that's the beauty of the sport is that it can do that to each and every one of us. So really kind of honing in on those things, knowing that, you know, it, it's, um, it, it, good things will come when you kind of work hard. On the other side, what do you think we can do to help coaches understand social issues like race on their team? In episode four, Denise, Patricia, mm-hmm. and I talked about how coaches are teachers, they are mentors, and how they view their athletes to some extent will influence how those athletes end up performing. So how can you help coaches to understand that there are racial dynamics that, that need to be thought about and taken into account? Yeah, I think first and foremost, getting, you know, getting people to think about the diversity, because um, I think a lot of coaches, I guess it could be easy to to not, I guess, not have to, I think it's really important to, to show, you know, the, the benefits of, 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 of diversity, right. And what it can bring having the differing, you know, experiences and backgrounds and what that can mean, mean to a team. Right. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big question. How do, how do you do that? Right. How do you, how do you, how do you show coaches, you know, that's, they should be doing that, that that's in the best interest of them to want to increase the diversity, right. And, and to, and, and to, to, to do those things. Uh, and then 
I think yeah, first and foremost is trying to solve that problem. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have an answer for that other than to to try to find ways to show that the more diverse you are, right? Looking at it just in athletic sense, the, the better your your team's going to be, right? But then, on the other sense, I think that's just a mark of, you know, if any any good coach is to is to your, your athletes are more than just the numbers they put up, right? Everyone's got their own story and their own backgrounds, right? And and I think it's just sort of basics of coaching right is to to understand your your athletes and, and who they are as, as a people and what they can bring more than just you know a number of person to yell at I think it's just kind of goes back to the basics of coaching a little bit um you know I think the, I think you have to have support of the organization beyond just the coach right and I think that's the organizations have to realize that first right? that that's the goal of the organization to do that and if that's the, that's the kind of the culture of that organization then that's you know the coach is going to have to to kind of meld, you know, to join with that. Because um, if you don't have the support of the organization and the board of the directors of that organization and, you know, the directors of the of the club, then I don't think you're going to, it's going to be a lot tougher. I think you have to, again, it's systemic and have to attack it from that kind of complete, I think you have to attack it from that complete picture to show, hey, it's in the best interest of this organization to do these things. And then that'll, you know, that'll create an atmosphere where, you, where the coaches, you know, they'll have to either, you know, fall in line or they won't, you know, they won't, they won't last there. So I think, yeah, I think it's just important to, to show how important that diversity is and how much better that makes everybody, right? It's not, it's not making anybody less. It's just bringing everybody up. I have a follow-up to that. So mm-hmm. you, David, you brought up a lot about how if you, if you deliver power on the ERG, if you, the numbers that you put, no one can take that away from you. You also brought up how it's systemic. Mm-hmm. You also brought up how it's culture. Uh, it's culture. I want to ask a question clarifying, and I guess just like bridging the gap between like, what are we talking about that's systemic? Mm-hmm. What are we talking about that's cultural? And just to give a tiny, a micro example, for example, in episode four, uh, we talked about uh-huh. how Daphne was the first woman, first person of color to row the boat race. Yeah. And yeah. You know, I didn't hear about that until Daphne, you know, brought it up herself. And if there was any other first of anything, it would be pretty much proclaimed, right? Like, I mean, Ty, mm-hmm. are, you're likely the first person of color Boathouse Sports amb- Ambassador, if not the first yeah. Black Boathouse Sports Ambassador. And while mm-hmm. I think on one hand, we all wish we'd live in a world where, yeah, this this is normal, you know, yeah, let's have a Black person in the boat race. Yeah, let's have a Black Boathouse Ambassador. That's not necessarily yeah. the case. And I don't, think it's, I don't think it's any fault of Boathouse Sports. I don't think it's any fault of the boat race. Mm-hmm. I just think that within the rowing culture, within the rowing world itself, it's almost as if these things are, are uh, made, in, made, are trivialized. Uh, and going back to what you said with things being systemic and things being culture, what are, what are things that need to change in order for us to recognize the, the achievements that folks are making, um, the achievements mm-hmm. that are being made right now. I mean, we're talking to people who are going to, who are training for the Olympics in, yeah. you know, coming up and, and how can people, both people of color, both non-people of color, get on, get on the side of changing this system and changing this culture. So that way, that way everyone can see that diversity will only bring out the best in our sport. Yeah, I think it's just um, something that can't. Yeah, it's just it's been too easy in a way for for rowing, right? They haven't they haven't had to do anything than what's been going on, right? They, 
you haven't maybe had the voices in the room to even even show right you're right maybe you know it's not to say people are are not you know actively um not caring or not you know not wanting to know it's just you just don't have that other voice in the room to even say hey you know shine the light this way there's other things going on right or you don't have maybe those voices in that board of directors to say hey we really need to you know we really need to make it important for this club to be you know for diversity in the club not in the sense to just to do it to uh to look good and do this but it's actually should be part of our mission a part of our what we want to do right if there's nobody first and foremost there's nobody there in that level of it then it's you know you're not going to get you're not going to have coaches that are higher than necessarily with that kind of thinking or that's what i guess i mean by the systemic piece of it it's the whole you know the organizations of things right um and i think it's just again sort of starting to, to share our story so i mean i think it's again it's important to know uh you know how many people out there of col- you know of color are actually are rowing and involved i mean Arshay and i talk about it all the time and He's always sending me pictures of people of this or that. And I had no idea, you know, you know, they were rowing here, they, you know, they were rowing there, this or that. And um, and hearing those stories, you know, hearing those those people who are the are the first and, and making sure that, you know, they can have a voice and they can be seen, you know, like thinking of like um, you know, you know, I tell you know, Brandon, right, down in Philadelphia, yeah. probably the only black owned, maybe the probably only black owned rowing club in the country. But, you know, so she has a voice that, you know, she goes to the US rowing convention, you know, and her name tag isn't just blank right it's not she actually has her name of her club on there right so you try to make those changes where those things that happened in the past where show up and you know there's no you know there's no name of her organization there so it's just you know things like that making sure people are starting to get in the room to make it you know the people see that hey you know this is important and this, and this is uh you know in the way that i think this is necessary necessary for the sport in this country i think um in the way that the uh you know, a lot of the aspirations of, of um, not aspirations, sorry, a lot of the, you know, you have, you have uh, in the U.S. rowing, right, the Olympics is the biggest thing, but the, I think the, the way the rowing is in the Olympics is changing, and I think we're going to start to see that, um, you know, a big effort of the Olympic movement, right, has been on diversity, um, improving gender diversity, but then also diversity of, of countries, right, so I know, you know, uh, at the higher level, right? A lot of the rowing countries that, that row and are successful are in Europe or maybe, you know, Australia, New Zealand, right? But they're not in a lot of the other places of the world. And that doesn't always sit well with sort of the greater Olympic movement. So that's a big kind of, not target on, on, on rowing's back, but it's something that they have to focus on. So there's talks about, um, you know, changing the sport and it may change the sport or different lengths or this or that. So I think it's important for, the survival of the sport a sense to be more diverse or else it's just going to kind of, kind of, kind of fall away. Right. Um, so I think it's important just to see that you have those voices in those places that, that, that make it an effort and, and make it, you know, make it necessary. So it's not just something that that's talked about, get those. And then another part of it, like you said, is just getting those stories out there. Um, exactly what you're doing right now. Right. I mean, now how many people are listening to this and, and then it'll spread among all these people out here, you know, are rolling and doing things. I mean, I've learned so much just from some of the episodes I've listened to here of all the different people out there. And it's, um, and that, that's, it's empowering. And that's, you know, I think it's just something that that's going to kind of, kind of improve. So um, kind of maybe a roundabout way of, of answering some of that, but, um, but yeah. I, I agree with you when you say that you, someone has to be on a board um, in order for the diversity to be in place. 
because over the summer I was a part of Bedford Bars Club's U23 program, and I never seen one person of color within Bachelor's Bars Club um, during my summer there. And even at Vesper, only seeing two people of color. Um, but I do believe, like I agree with you, that it takes people to be like in that boardroom or a part of like that, um, that are people that's in that director position at like certain boat houses in order for that outreach to different communities to um, happen. I think what resonated most with what you said, David, was the idea that there is no one there to even make organizations aware that there is a lack of diversity or that they're not recognizing what little diversity they do have and trying to grow that out. And I think that, yeah, as you've said, a really important first step is to try and make sure that people are, are aware that there are there is an emptiness in many of these spaces and um, can, those empty spaces can be filled with something very valuable that are going to enhance the experiences of everyone who becomes a part of it. Yeah, but it's, it's so important, you know, what you're doing here, you're Denise, and just connecting people and, you know, it just creates this network and it creates, um, it, you know, it just makes that so much easier to do, right? We're all not trying to do, we all are trying to do that, I think, in our different areas and our different ways. But now when you have like a whole network, a whole team, a whole country of people kind of behind you and resources, it, it, it's that much stronger, which gives me some, a lot of hope, right? A lot of hope that we are kind of getting closer to making some, some good changes where we don't need people to tell our, our stories. We can tell them ourselves, right? So we don't need to necessarily rely on them to tell to tell our stories. We can tell our stories ourselves or do our things and, you know, at this point, hold our own conventions or whatever, do whatever we need to do, right? We've got a lot of people doing some really good things and, and just connecting has been such an important part of it. Um, and so that gives me a lot of, a lot of hope, definitely, of, of where we're of where we're headed and what we can do. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of hope, a lot of potential. And I think, like, I mean, I think you're right. There can be a convention, maybe uh, not during the pandemic, but at another. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> at another time. A and virtual. I think, yeah, a virtual one. I, I know. Uh, <laughs> we'll save yeah. that topic for another time. But uh, going back to what I think, Ty, you were saying about the board of directors. I mean, while we have folks here, I mean, Daphne and David, are you, not to put you on the spot, but are you folks... Are you the type of folks who'd be interested in joining a rowing club's board? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and I've, I've, I've been involved. Um, and so, you know, I think there are, and there, and there, and there are challenges, you know, uh, organizations. So I think, yeah, the first step is, yeah, on that level is, is getting people involved. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. And uh, but I think there's, there's a lot of other people out there too, uh, to, who, are, who are doing some good things and so um but yeah awesome i'm just putting that out there just in case there are any eds listening <laughs> uh <laughs> uh sounds good um, i think the last question that i had for you david was you have heard us talk about how you've been an inspiration and a source of motivation for so many people and Sometimes that can be a little bit uh, overwhelming. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about knowing that so many people look up to you. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely, definitely honored. I, I guess I look at it at a different way. I just, I'm inspired by everybody who I've come in contact with, who I've met. You know, I felt just, just really fortunate and, and blessed 
to to have the opportunities, you know, and I'm knowing I have I've had a lot of people that help me, um, and I've had these opportunities, right? So I I just you know I know there's a lot of people ahead of me who help kind of pave my way, who I you know who I you know you know who I'm so thankful for. I I for me it's just more I'm more inspired by everybody who 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 I meet and who I talk to, whether it's both of you guys here, Ty, Daphne, and Denise, and then everybody, you know, every all those times I go out and we do those erg events, and just seeing all the whole everybody there, the kids, and what the everybody's doing, the passion they have for it would just inspire me, and you know, even more, you know, they I'd look up, you know, look up to them and, and to what what they're doing. Um, so, I guess for me, I, that's how that's how I kind of I guess twisted it. I, uh, you know, I, I would I would uh, I'm just inspired by every, everybody who I've again who I've come across, and yeah, very. Uh, I guess thankful that people think that, you know, think that way about me, but, uh, I still, I guess, focus on, um, you know, I don't, you know, I focus on, I guess, the, I don't know, the, maybe I'm too critical of myself or not. I don't know. Maybe that's it, but just always focus on, you know, what more can I do? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, that, that there's a lot more I need to be, to give and just inspired by, you know, the work that Arshea is doing and a whole bunch of other people out there. I mentioned Brandon earlier, uh, got a friend Marcus and, you know, I know he's been training hard and trying to, to, to make his name and just inspired by, you know, their stories and what they've done and what they are doing every day to, to improve the sport and improve people around them. It just makes me think, okay, well, I need to, I need to get up and, and do even more. So that's, that's the way I feel about it. And, and, um, and again, just really hopeful, just more people we've met and come across and just how much, how much there is going on um, in the, sort of this space and around the country. It's very, it's very inspiring. It gives me hope, which makes me say, okay, you need to like, get off your butt and do some things and, and, and not just talk about it, but, but be about it. So that's kind of why I guess I lay on it. Yeah, definitely. I'll say for myself, I look at both you and Daphne as like motivational factors. And I remember a time um, during the head of Charles this year where Maurice and I, we actually met up in Boston and we were just kind of like talking about how we see you as like a motivational factor to keep us pushing and just like keep us going within the sport. Yeah, no, no, thank you, man. You guys are, you guys are just yeah, proud to see where you guys are, where you guys are heading. And yeah, Maurice, he's, he's doing well. I know he's, he's been trying to do some good things, you know, where he's at in his life and, and where he's, you know, what he's doing. So it's just, yeah, that, you know, it makes it, gives you that strength, right, to keep, to keep yeah. pushing to know there's everybody out there is doing some really good things and um, just, yeah, just inspired, you know, Daphne, the work you were doing, we met, uh, you know, at the camp out here in, in California and all those kids out there and, you know, I'm just inspired by their stories and what they're doing, you know, and it's, it wasn't necessarily rowing, but it, you know, it, it's similar kind of space in a way, just in terms of opportunities and access to the things that, you know, so for so long people of color have been sort of denied in this country and, um, and, and, uh, you know, it just gives it gives you that hope, right? And uh, you know, it's highlight even more today when you see a lot that's going on in the world today and the issues that we're facing, and, and still how much of a, uh, uh, you know, the uh, you know the you know, the racism or, or the uh, the imbalances, right, are, are very evident now, and whole issues with the pandemic and COVID, and how it's impacting certain communities versus others, and it just highlights it even more. Um, you know some of the problems that we're all we're all facing and so to have a, a network like this a community like this knowing that there's a lot of people you know trying to make it better is, it gives you some hope within like the sport um i have heard of like some situations where rows of color 
have experienced racism and, and bullying, um, what mm-hmm. would you say would be the best way to deal with it? Yeah, no, I've heard hasn't happened to me. You know, I've been, I guess, I guess, been, I've been fortunate, um, but I've, I've heard of it definitely with other people and uh, some other stories, and it, yeah, it breaks it breaks your heart. Um, I think the best the best way, you know, it's important to understand that, right, and, and make sure people are aware that things like that are happening. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, it's something that happens, you know, with this sport and with a lot of other you know, areas, you know, in the world, um, in other areas in the world, but in other, you know, other areas beyond just rolling, but definitely highlighted in rolling because of the disparities we see. Um, yeah, making it, <laughs> making it known that it's out there, right, is, is important. So people realize that it's going on. Um, and then, Again, just creating better atmospheres, right, for people. Um, and that kind of goes along with everything we've just we've just been saying, right? Is making sure you have people in coaching positions who are are aware and have an understanding, and making sure the organizations are there to support them, right? Because even you know, I've heard some stories of some people, and it just you know, even if a coach may have someone back, maybe the organization doesn't. So it's just making sure at every level we have people in there who are supportive and, and receptive and understanding and just trying to change that at, at every one of those levels. Um, right. You can't, you can't impact every, every rowing participant out there. Right. So I'm sure things are, are going to happen, but, but to, able, to be able to respond to it and be able to have an organization that has people's back or coaches that has people back is so important. And, and it's so hard to hear some stories where that may not happen. Um, so I think it's kind of a, just goes along the lines of everything that we've been saying is trying to, um, to, to change and make, you know, an impact on the sport and create, you know, culture and environment, you know, that is, that is, that is you know, for diversity and, and welcoming to everybody, you know, is so important. Because, um, you, you know, I mean, you won't, there will always be people out there just probably there who, who, who may say things, you can't necessarily control every single person, but you can, I guess, try to have better control on the organization and the spaces in which we are where you have people competing and kids competing. Thank you so much, David. Uh, how can people reach out to you if they want to get in touch or follow your journey? Uh, I'm not on any social media. So that's, that's, I guess nowadays that's, that's one of the main ways. Um, my my email and phone number are best. Uh, so they can, they can find me that way. I don't know, Denise, is a way you can, you could, I'm fine giving out my phone number email. That's okay with me. But, I can um, put it in the show notes if you want to. You can um, put it in the show notes. I just don't have any, I don't have Instagram or Twitter or or Facebook or I don't know if I have anything good to say anyway. So, um, uh, but you can find me that, find me those ways. I'm easy to reach out to. Hopefully everybody here knows. And if they don't, they can easily get in touch with me with a, a text or a call or email or something. Um, so, yeah. And just as like a side question, um, what's yeah. your most memorable? Ex- what's your most memorable experience from the Olympics? Oh, there's a lot of a lot of good memories. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, you know, so for so long, you know, you, you get there, you're training, and a lot of it is you go from school or you're on a team, right? In high school or college, it's about the team, right? It's about the, you know, everything about the team, and then you get to kind of training after that, and it's just kind of like it's kind of just it's just you. I mean, you're training for the U S team, but not everybody's on it is going to make it right. So a lot of it is just, 
it's just kind of on you. So for a lot of it, it feels kind of selfish, right? You're just out there kind of doing this thing for yourself. And uh, kind of goes back to us saying, always trying to remember, remain grounded of where I was and those opportunities I had. And, and I, um, uh, so yeah, you feel for so long, it's just kind of about you, right? You can't necessarily go visit people or family and do these things and you do feel selfish, but, but yeah, what, but one of the best memories was when I, you know, when I called home and, and told you know my parents that, that I made it, you know, and it, it kind of changed it, you know, and it kind of, they got to really experience it too, along with me. I mean, they just seen it on the one end, you know, of, of, of me telling them how things are going, not always good or results as you're training, it doesn't mean much, but to really be able to share that with them, family and, and, and sort of extended family was, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. They, they, they got the chance to go over there and just experience the whole thing. That that was the best. I mean, I wish we had done better. Maybe that those memories would, would have been higher. But it was it was amazing, kind of competing. And again, then you go to to not kind of being about yourself, and then you make it, and it, and you feel like it. You really do get a sense that um, it wasn't like you know we made it, made it, and like you're just celebrating. It was more just okay. It's kind of like now we're on a kind of a mission, right? We're here representing not just me anymore. It's my family, it's the whole country, my school, everything, my coaches everybody along the line I felt like I was you know my family came before me right representing everybody and um, you really kind of get a kind of got that that's sense of it and it wasn't necessarily like overwhelming pressure but it gave just more just a little bit of that extra kind of something that that, was, that is a little different from before but both experiences were it's great kind of meeting a whole bunch of other other athletes you don't see right you meet you know weightlifters or judo or, or whatever not just you know, you know, a lot of times you see just the swimming or the gymnastics or track and field. You see all those other athletes who are out there, you know, kind of grinding away in their own ways in their own areas. Uh, and, um, you know, it's pretty kind of, that's a pretty cool experience just to meet some of those other people. Yeah, so very, very, very fortunate. And, um, but, you know, I think uh, at any sense, I think, again, it's a good thing, great thing about rowing is that you can, everyone has, you know, everybody has sort of something they can they can get from it that that approves them right i mean some of the best experience i've had in, in rowing haven't been anything to do with the olympics so it's those times where you've you know you maybe have a goal right where you you've tried to reach it so many times and you failed or you died on this or that and then when you like finally do do it and you run, crush it and you, you know you run through it you just it's the most amazing feeling right i mean i've had those you know even for my first days of starting a row right when the numbers aren't even the same you still kind of get that feeling of but you know having goals and, and really working for them you know it's a sport where you have to work for the goals they don't just come everybody has to work for them so when you really do reach it really do come through those goals it's you feel on top of the world you know it doesn't matter where you stack up you just have that i'm pretty sure everybody here has experienced that and that's the that's the beauty of the sport and what it can offer to everybody at any level, whatever your aspirations are, it can really change who you are, change how you interact with the world and just, you know, do a lot of things for you. So those are some of my best memories in rowing in and of itself are probably not even have nothing to do with the Olympics, right? It's all those times in between when you've, you know, you've tried so long for something and you haven't gotten it and then, you, you know, you, you get it and you reach that level at personal best or, or whatever it is. It's, it's the most amazing feeling. So yeah, those are the, the memories from rowing that I, a lot of them that I'll take with me. I think a lot of the listeners will be able to take like what you said as like a motivation factor, but keep them pushing. I think that's all I have. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah thanks everybody. It's yeah, really thanks. good to hear some really good questions, really 
make you think about, you know, again, what we're doing and, and how we can do it better. And uh, so, yeah, thank you for, for this time to be able to, to go through that. Thank you so much for listening to Rolling in Color. Please remember to follow or hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're on Instagram, please follow us at Rolling in Color. We really appreciate it. Just as much as we appreciate you. So this is Denise. And Patricia signing off. Stay safe, everyone.